Speaking of doctors, looks like I get to start physical therapy and see a neurosurgeon about what the hell they can actually do once they get the MRI. So what, if, like, surgery is an option? Yeah. Gotcha. Like, the doctor today sounded like, you know, like, maybe we can actually fix it. Because up until that point, everybody I talked to was kind of like, it's probably going to be there forever. Your leg's dead. Chop it off. (laughs) I mean, basically, yeah. Like, it's it was kind of like, you're not going to be able to fix it is almost what I got out of it before. You're going to be the bionic man by the time we're done with all this, aren't you? No. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't want to be half cyborg after all this? My cousin actually kind of is. He went through the same thing. He has what's called a neural stimulator implanted. And it's like a little, uh, I don't even know what to call it. But it's like a little box, like a little electronic box uh, implanted next to his spine. What it does is it sends a non-noticeable pain receptor into your brain on a constant basis. Because your brain can't process more than like one type of pain at once, and it like so when you're in when you, that pain does flare up, your your brain's already ignoring it. If that makes sense, like whatever it is, it's sending an impulse that tricks your brain into not letting you actually feel the pain. So you become a cyborg and invulnerable to that specific pain. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like you you still feel pain. See, what I'm hearing is superhero in the making. I mean, it's got the origin story. Yeah, it's all built in it's there. It's kind of writing itself. A, a malfunction in the stimulator means I no longer feel any pain. Yeah, see? There you we're, go. we're figuring this out. Yeah, I mean, I'm a long way from that. <laughs> so you have to get uh, become a superhero the old-fashioned way. You know, spider bites, radiation. Yeah, I mean, I, I could try. Throw yourself off of buildings and hope you fly. I'm not going to do that one, <laughs> but, you know, walking a little closer to the microwave every now and then, maybe. Yeah, just, you know, stick your head in there <laughs> a couple times a day, <laughs> just sleep in there. You're, you're just taking it to the kill yourself point. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're just saying, no, just just kill yourself, and if you turn into a superhero, all right, you're a I superhero. Mean, if you don't, Most, well, most superhero origins dead. involve somebody basically dying, right? And then they just kind of be reborn as the superhero. Which is why a lot of people don't actively seek out their superhero origin. Well, f- fair. That's fair. Sending off low levels of gamma radiation. I, think, <laughs> yeah. I, think I mean, I don't know. Mike's pinky turns green. I'll be good to go. <laughs> yeah. I would take a bionic pinky. <laughs> it, listen, With a little it's laser better. inside. It doesn't even have to have a laser inside. Just give me a Hulk strength in just my pinky. <laughs> just a laser pointer. You you'd have job security as the like stickiest PowerPoint presenter ever. <laughs> like every corporate retreat would be coming after you. Like we got the the human laser pointer finger guy. <laughs> human laser pointer. Fi- we got to think of a better name than that. Welcome to another episode of Bright Guy and the Super Friends. 
I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is someone who tries on their super suit daily just to make sure it still fits, Josh George. Where is my super suit? And next up, we have someone who still hasn't decided his favorite superhero pose, Mike Bradley. Oh, I mean, I said that, but I mean, secretly I've decided. Oh, dude, what, which one is it? You're going to have to wait and see the next time I strike it. <laughs> Regular superhero landing on the knee? No, that's lame. <laughs> it, the, the superhero landing on the knee, Deadpool made the perfect point about that. It just hurts. It does you hurt. Know? Um, but uh, my superhero pose is, look, it's America's ass. All right. So you just have to <laughs> lay on your stomach, plank in a little bit, have a great ass and just stay there. That's Not it. That's all there is to the superhero pose. Is required. Right after a good fight, he's just like, oh, well, time to pose and just hits the deck and just puts his <laughs> ass in the air. Look at America's ass. <laughs> it's a good way to taunt people, I guess, too. I could, I could see it. You gotta have a good uh, ass, though. Like, you, <laughs> you know, it doesn't work if you don't. Uh, so we are here to finally talk about a new Marvel movie. It's been a long time coming. What? Uh, yeah, we get we, right out of town. It, just trying to look back because Josh was asking me this before. The a little bit of a flashback. The movie was originally set to release May first, twenty twenty, and then you know. 2020 happened, and after some release date shuffling, we finally got it on July 9th, 2021. Uh, what is it that we got? Because we haven't named it yet. Uh, Black Widow. Yeah, we're talking about Black Widow. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's a good good, good here. Good thing to talk about. Um, And then Josh had asked me, like, when was the last time we actually talked about Black Widow? Or was it, did we ever talk about any of the trailers and stuff like that? So I was digging through some of the episodes. Uh, It looks like where we talked about it was episode 175 which was in December of 2019. Wow. Which ended up being probably about a week or two before episode nine. Yeah, yeah. So right before episode nine came out, they dropped a bunch of trailers on stuff. So we hit like five different trailers on this episode. The first one we talked about was Black Widow. Nice. So it has been a while. I don't think, you know, if you've, Stuck with the show for a while. We used to do trailers all the time. That was something that I loved doing until I realized some of these trailers start to spoil stuff after trailer two. So we've got to the point where it's like maybe we talk about the first trailer and then that's it. So Black Widow has had numerous trailers since then. We have not talked about them on the show. Um, so there's you know been other marketing, release date shifts, all that stuff. We might have talked about it too, and I didn't listen to that episode to see if it came up. We did have an episode where we talked about movie release shuffling. It might have been on our list when we talked about that episode, and I'm trying to scroll through now to figure out when the hell that was. There's a good chance that we did, since it was only, it was less than two months. Right, it was going to be like, a couple months COVID removed. Lockdown. So it was one of the first casualties of of delay, and that was when we thought, like, oh, we'll just have some minor delays. This is the only time we'll talk about this. Yeah. And I think, you know, between all the other delays we've had, I don't know if we, you know, we could have been revisiting movie delays for a while every time they got yeah. delayed. But we were trying not to because we wanted for some firm dates before we could really talk about stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, I have a ahead. question. Yeah. Uh, did you have a number of days that it's been since we recorded a review of an MCU movie? Uh, I did not tally that. So believe it or not, it looks like second week, July 2019. 
which is second week, July 2021. We're almost probably close to two years to the day since we did yep. Far From Home. That oh, was okay. uh, 161 that was the episode number. And we are now on 232. Two, yes, correct. So 71 episodes Oof. since an MCU review. That is uh, a lot. Yeah. When, well, uh, hope you're not sick of them because we're going to have a lot more coming over the next couple of months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when uh, uh, it, in, inside quip for the for the listeners real quick, Mike and Brian uh, and myself and some others uh, went to see Black Widow together. And it was on opening night on, on Friday the 9th. And as we're sitting there, I realized it has been literally over two years, uh, two years and a few days since I sat in the theater and saw a Marvel movie for the first time. Um, and Brian, I think you and I were together at that point because we went on the 4th of July for like a really early show, like a noon matinee for Far From Home. Okay. And I remember thinking, like, wow, literally two years since, like, we really did this the last time. Yeah. Yeah, it's been... It's it's simultaneously, like, kind of gone quickly, but also easily felt, like, much longer. Well, I mean, we've had stuff to hold us over. Like, you know, the Marvel shows have helped past the Mm -hmm. time. Otherwise, it would have felt really bad between all that stuff. For the last few months. Right, right. that, That whole year and a half where there was nothing yes yeah was uh kind of rough and you know for me i will say uh, i'm gonna do my best for this uh review um my experience was great you know we're getting back to see a marvel movie in the theater again and right up until about uh, 30 seconds into the movie it was like this is gonna be great and then a woman and her child showed up um and sat down on the other side of Amy, and uh, yeah, I heard him. <laughs> oh, is that where the they entire were? I movie? I couldn't tell they if they were, were behind us or not. I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. I missed a solid third of the exposition in this movie because of the kid talking over it. Uh, yeah. So I still have yet to watch it again, but there is a solid chunk of the exposition and like dialogue, but just. You know, well, you, you miss a little more too, because you're like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut yeah. up. And you're not like <laughs> paying attention because you're so pissed off. We will, we will do our best to try to fill in the gaps for you if we need to. That would be appreciated. <laughs> that that is rough. Um, I'm, 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 I'm yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Last comparison here, real quick. I'm looking. I know it wasn't by design, but I'm looking to see if this was. Uh, almost the longest gap in actual release dates between MCU movies ever, or like how long it has been since there was this much time in between. So there has not been, by design, there's not been a two-year gap in movies uh. since the MCU began. Yeah, but I feel like the biggest is... gaps would have been early on, right? And then after that, it would seem like yeah, at least two a year. year. Iron it Man, was the Hulk. Per years. Or... Yeah, so Iron Man comes out in May of 2008. The Incredible Hulk comes out in like mid-June 2008. So there's only about six or seven weeks between those. Oh, really? Okay. And then Iron Man 2 doesn't come out till May of 2010. So it's about 
23 months. Okay, so that's actually close then. It's close, but it's less. So because of the delays in this, this is the longest gap between singular releases ever. Sounds about right. And and, at the beginning, it can obviously be forgiven as much. Like they went from, you know, kicking off a franchise to rebooting a franchise to doing the sequel to the kicked off franchise. So like they didn't have the thread there yet. So that almost makes a lot more sense. Um, But this one... Yeah, just by, by circumstances, is the longest period of gap between new movies. So, you know, coming out of the the pandemic and theaters are starting to get come back and everybody's like, for, you know, for like we talked about, we were in the theater for this movie. We actually went to the theater to watch this one. So how did it do opening weekend and stuff like that? So I got some numbers. Nope. So domestically, it opened with 80 million, which was the highest pre-pandemic well like highest highest opening weekend for a movie domestic since i think i saw them talk about rise of skywalker was the last domestic now i didn't actually look to see what the domestic opening for rise of skywalker was i'm sure it crossed the 100 million mark for that movie but oh gotta be easily so yeah this that, one was, that was pre-pandemic so i'm yeah. sure it's plenty higher than that um, so it made 80 million domestic. It made another 79 million international. And this was also one of the movies that Disney released on Disney plus, but you had to pay $30 if you wanted to watch it at home with their premier access and stuff. Typically, at least the way it's been over the last couple years, studios do not usually release numbers for that kind of stuff. Disney did for this. They calculated that about 60 million came from Disney Premiere Plus uh, purchases. So watching it through Disney Plus. Which culminates, we're adding all those numbers together in a combined opening weekend of $219 million, Which is impressive. really good, can, all things considered. Because and I don't think all theaters are up at 100%. There are certain areas that are still closed, especially international. So if we were back to normal, I think 200 250 in the theater would have been easily done. Yeah. So, all but I like seeing the numbers good number. though from, from Disney plus, I like seeing them release the information like, Hey, you know, that means we sold 2 million of these. Yeah. And you'd like to think that if they're starting it, maybe everybody else could start this too, but they put other movies out on Disney plus with their premier access too, and never released numbers for that before. So either they sucked or they're finally starting to, you know, push this forward and hope other people do the same. They might be tracking it more closely. You know what I mean? For like a big movie, they're going to be like, oh yeah, we did this. Whereas other ones, they're like, eh, whatever. You know, like. Well, they did for it what, this, for Mulan it, you know? and Cruella, right? Where the other ones they did, and Raya, where the other and ones Raya. they did premiere. And they didn't put in any numbers for those. So. Okay. And you know, like, HBO like, has done, is doing their, you know, day and date release with HBO Max and in the theater. And that's different. Well, I mean, you know, they could very well release at least viewer numbers. All they say is, like, this is our most watched movie, which means nothing when you don't look at any hard numbers to compare anything to. That means nothing to me. I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. So, Yeah, if you had 30 million people watch it on the first day it was there, that's a big deal. Yeah. If you had 100,000 and your next highest was 95,000, it's like, okay, whatever. That tells me nothing that it was the highest grossing, or not highest grossing, but highest watched 
movie on your service. That means nothing. So having some of those hard data numbers, I think, would be nice to look at. Uh, so we'll see if this continues. If, if you know, other movie theaters and studios and services that have these movies come out like this or even paid at a premium, if they start releasing numbers like this, I'm curious how all that goes going forward. Because, you know, people are still... The argument is still there, is whether or not theaters could be hurting because of this type of model. And I think it's it's proving that it can it, they can work concurrently. And I think we talked about that before, where I think you're not going to really take away from the other. I think both will strengthen each other. You're going to get money at home. You're going to get money in the theater. Ultimately, I think when things get back to normal, you're still going to see a lot more towards the theater than at home. But for right now, I think them coming out a little bit even and that the, the theater actually making more money than at home, I think, you know, puts a little bit more weight on theaters are not going anywhere. There is still a, still a demand to want to see things in theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So before we get to the uh, spoilers and stuff like that, just, I just want to revisit the numbers. So the numbers that I threw out for the box office weekend, the 80 million domestic, 79 million international, 60 million Disney premiere plus or whatever they call it. Uh, are those numbers... Higher or lower, maybe, than what you guys expected for opening weekend? Any of that stuff surprising to you? I still don't know what to expect for opening weekends. I'm still at a spot where, like, who knows what it's going to do? You know, like, it, it's just like each new big film should start making more than the last one. Right. Until we get back to some sort of normalization. Until then, whatever happens, happens. It's kind of how I'm looking at it. I don't really know what number i would expect to hear yeah it's a fair assessment i think i wouldn't have been shocked if it had been far less just circumstantially um so i think what it did is pretty impressive yeah i think you know josh and i I think we talked briefly after the viewing when we came out of the theater talking just spitballing numbers because i thought i had read because we saw it friday night that i thought i had read that like thursday night it made like 13 million which I was like, wow, that's pretty good for a Thursday night. So what's yeah. it going to do over the weekend? And we were sort of talking, I would have guessed between 100 and 150, mm-hmm. which is sort of where it fell. Mm-hmm. But they added the Disney Plus premiere numbers in there, which I didn't know if they would or how that would work. So I and I think that was a generous estimate. I was like, if it makes that, I think that's a good sign. And that's a, that's more than I would have expected. So I think these mm-hmm. numbers are higher than I would have guessed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. even without... The Disney Plus stuff, it was above that. It was one, what, would have been 169, right? Right, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a good sign for theaters, which is good. I like to see that kind of stuff. So, I'll be I'll be anxious to see what other movies do going forward. And, uh, I don't know if we have, you know, without looking at a really, really schedule, and I can't pull it off the top of my head, like, what the next really big movie is going to be coming out, but... I'm I'm curious to see how the I'll be I'll be looking at the numbers for sure like almost every weekend when stuff comes out just to see what what movies are doing and how how the theaters are bouncing back because I'm curious. Isn't, isn't Top Gun? That got soon? moved to December. Oh, it got moved again. I didn't even yeah. notice. Okay, well then never mind that. Like I know Free I, Guys in next month. I don't know if that's, that's a not big be, movie. Yeah, that's Suicide not going to be big. big. Suicide Squad might Friday be a good one. Yeah, of August. That might be the next big one to keep an eye on. Okay. And Shang-Chi should do some good numbers when the time comes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's definitely other things between now and then. Yeah, I just can't think off the top of my head without really rolling through the internet and trying to Google search stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, by the time people hear this, Space Jam Legacy will have just been released. 
Yeah. In, in I don't expect that to do real good. It's a but... kid's movie. Anytime it's a kid's movie, though, it can surprise you with the numbers. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess that one I'd be so, I'd be curious. One, like, yes, it might attract kids, but two, I'm wondering if it'll hit that nostalgic, uh, you know, vibe for people mm-hmm. that you know, grew, like us that grew up watching Space Jam in the '90s. I yeah. I want to go see this. I might actually make it to the theater this weekend to see it because <laughs> fuck it, why not? So we'll see. Yeah, I'm I'm not gonna get into the whole reasons, but I don't think Wayne Knight's gonna be there. So yeah. I uh, I don't know if I'm going to be there if Wayne Knight's not there. <laughs> That's the reason. Um, all right, so we'll get into what we thought of the movie. I'm going to throw out the spoiler alert, spoiler alert. So if you've not seen Black Widow, haven't rented it, or not rented, but you know, got it off Disney+, Plus, gone to the theater. Uh, and actually, I'll, I'll throw out the spoiler alert also for Falcon and Winter Soldier. If you have not watched that show, because we might touch on some of that stuff, uh, pause us now, come back after watching the movie and finishing that series. Uh, otherwise, continue on. We'll be sure to so- spoil some stuff for you. Uh, either way, spoilers to follow. Spoiler! Spoiler! You know, something like that. All right, so we are in the spoiler territory, and Josh, I'm going to lead with this question specifically for you. Oh, boy. What did you think of the Nirvana cover over the opening credits <laughs> of the movie? Because I could not shout at you when the movie was playing. <laughs> I, I I liked it. I was not familiar with this one. I don't know if it was like a, a new arrangement that was sort of, you know, commissioned, I'll call it, uh, for the film or not. Um, I, I liked the, the the use of it. You know, it was, if they had, uh, differently than just the straight use of Come As You Are in Captain Marvel, um, this was not just, oh, we're playing Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah. Um, it was definitely, you know, a, a, a more just like orchestral piano and, and vocal arrangement um, uh, with a, a female voice on it. Um, it. It was almost like subtle enough that because there's, there's, it's played over so much imagery and continued events. Yeah. Um, so you're getting the opening, like you're getting your, your opening credits, but they're continuing the opening scene and, can, and, and, and the, the sharing of story information hasn't stopped. So, I almost wondered, like, I, I forgot about it at the end, but I almost wanted to ask, like, did everybody catch that? Because I think it's it's so layered and it's so different that you almost don't, like, you could almost miss it easily. It took the, me about halfway through the song to realize yes. what I was hearing. Exactly. And then I was like, oh, I dig this. Yes. And, and And I don't know, Mike, was that your experience or did you catch it pretty quick? I was able to catch it pretty quick. Um, okay, I you know I feel like it was a very Zack Snyder ish opening. Mm. Um, I feel like that's a thing he likes to do. Yep, is you know play that mix on a song that's slower and different over a bunch of scenes that are happening, and I don't know. It felt very Snyder to me. I know it, you know, good like comparison, yeah, yeah, something he does. But in terms of the song itself, I feel like I understand why they chose it. Um. And why they went that route, it fit the tone. You know, it was okay. I wasn't, like, thrilled with it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a cool idea, but not something where I'm like, I'm going to seek that out and listen to it on its own. Like, get it from iTunes or something. Yeah, I, I, yeah. that's fair. Um, if anybody 
saw it or or if, if you haven't seen the film yet but you're curious about what we're talking about and you would just like to hear this different arrangement um it is a, a smells like teen spirit cover uh it says credited to think up anger featuring malia m-a-l-i-a malia and then the initial j if hmm. you want to look that up yeah okay so i wrote that down because i was curious and i kept forgetting to look up who did that song so i will definitely listen to that after the show after we get done with the show mm-hmm. and it's interesting i'll just go off a quick tangent here um there was something about reinvigorating nirvana's music that it seems to be more fitting to lend itself to female vocalists um okay. when they were inducted into the rock hall the songs that the band performed at the induction they had all female guest singers on every song they had no guys singing kurt's parts um and there's something i think either to the lyrics the tone kurt's voice etc that comes through very well on honestly i think better um you know afterward with 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 a female voice and and i i really dug this uh this take on it nice yeah i didn't know that um I don't know if there's anywhere specific you guys want to start. I We could sort of just vaguely talk, like, direction, writing, characters, and just kind of spin from there. So can I throw out something that I found truly impressive about this movie? Okay. As a good, like, kickoff point. I feel like it can kick conversation off. So I feel like this movie does something kind of unique to anything that we've seen in a superhero movie before. And with the way that the culture around making an, a female-led superhero movie is, and there's a lot of toxicity out there on the internet and stuff like that. This movie takes its opportunity and portrays a very good, powerful story about women that I am almost certain will pass any Bechtel test or anything they throw at it because damn near the entire cast is female. There's a few male parts, sp- like, splintered in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it manages to do that and also play a redemption story about a middle-aged, overweight, bearded man at the same time. They, they, they squeeze that bit in and play this positive role for what he's able to do. And it's something I feel like that's different, because they're squeezing his origin in and Yelena's origin in and all these things we know nothing about, basically. Mm-hmm. And they're managing to squeeze in this story about him while doing the whole overarching story. Does that make sense? We're like, you're squeezing in, like almost like very intentionally having him be the way he is. And and I think the the use of it doesn't detract or distract or overshadow her Natasha's story, Yelena's narrative. It, It actually enhances it. Exactly. And I think that's something that I've seen so many people focus on. Oh, this is a you know, a female superhero movie, this is a male superhero movie. It's possible to tell just a superhero movie that sees things well from both aspects, that presents both things well. And I feel like this is probably the first time we've got a good look at something like that. At least from an origin standpoint, team-up movies tend to be less um, capable of doing that i think i think they're mm. too focused on too many things at once in most team-up movies to really make a statement or anything yeah 
But I, I felt like that was something different that I didn't expect out of it. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Um, well, let's spin, let's sort of spin with characters from there. Um, sure. I'll just sort of just run down the list. We can just talk about whoever we want to. But uh, obviously, Scarlett Johansson comes back as uh, Natasha. Florence Pugh is newest addition with as Yelena. Uh, Rachel Weisz is Melina. David Harbour, as you mentioned, Alexi, who is the Red Guardian. Uh, Ray Winston is Drakov, and as which was surprising to me, and I I think the way they set it up, it wasn't as surprising when it happened, but I I didn't think this going into the movie. Uh, Taskmaster was I'm, I'm gonna butcher her name, Olga Karolenko. Yeah, you did good. Was the girl from uh, Quantum of Solace? The, yes. the Bond, one of the Bond girls in there, as well as Hitman, and because we just watched that recently, and she was in wasn't it uh, a Fassbender movie about like Nordic tribes? I can't remember what it's called, but she's yeah, been she, in a lot. Has, yeah, she actually has a pretty good resume. I, I think it, like Amy and I talked about this on the drive home a little bit because it irked me slightly um the reveal because, or no no no, not the reveal i was I, I thought it was really cool and it made sense for the story and all that to have her be taskmaster here yeah i guess my issue was isn't she like way older than that character should be because we see natasha as an adult you know quote unquote kill her while she's right. a little girl, and if I'm not mistaken, they're about the same age in real life. If not, I think Olga might be older. They're they're pretty close in in age in real life. Yeah, it, it just There's threw a me bit off. Of that that like, doesn't line up. like yeah, like it, it being Olga Kirilenko's fine. It's just like that. That would to me was a little bit of a continuity thing. Like I feel like that girl would not be that age yet. Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess I didn't really even think about that. It that that's the only issue I had with that. Like. It would have been cool if they let her talk too. I I don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I I'm wondering how much she was actually in the suit because it's very easy, I think, to stick a stunt double in there when you're all armored up and have a mask on. So I'm I'm curious right. how much she actually did, or if which they just use her may... for the face shots and that's it. Which the only real critique I had of the casting or the put together of all that was, given that uh, like you did not need anybody even remotely recognizable to right. be that part yeah and and i hate like not to put her down whatsoever i she probably wasn't very recognizable to many people there there's i think a lot of people that don't do what we do and and retain this kind of stuff and and harp on it and make a point to know it agreed but since they did like it's obviously very intentional they cast her to be that reveal they wanted a somebody to be that face yeah and like she probably had like two days of shooting well, I mean, I'd also argue they cast somebody that is recognizable and is a, I, I don't want to say a B-lister or try to go anywhere like with that, but somebody mm -hmm. that you know that is worth casting and isn't just a throwaway casting because they don't kill the character. And yeah, well, that was the Taskmaster is a recurring character in a lot of things. Um, specifically Deadpool has a ton of interaction with Taskmaster, mm. which is why I said like her not talking. I hope in the future when we see Taskmaster, they make that an option. 
I don't care who's playing the Taskmaster. The Taskmaster is supposed to be this quippy smartass who's kind of a dick. You know I mean, as mm. opposed to like the Spider-Man quippiness while he's fighting where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, he's funny, but you know, haha. So that could be a good foil to Deadpool. Right. And that's why they put the characters together in the comics. So I would like at least to see her get more to do as the character. Right. And maybe that was my worry is that if this is a one and off, I don't actually, I think she has one line of dialogue and probably two minutes of face screen time. If that, so like, did you really need it to be anybody? But um, I think like Mike said, I think it's more like we're giving you this now to do something with it later. Hopefully. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I hadn't thought of that. Cause she's still on the board. Taskmaster is kind of a big deal for a lot of, comic fans okay and we do have deadpool 3 coming up hopefully in the next two to three years i mean yeah taskmaster serves as a villain for a lot like you could see that show up for cap too Mm. so for like sam wilson's next foray you could see taskmaster show up that would basically anybody that's not super duper overpowered taskmaster Mm -hmm. can show up as soon as somebody's like super powered Which is why it really wouldn't have worked with, like, Steve Rogers, because Steve Rogers just kicks his ass, because as soon as he hits him, <laughs> it, like, Taskmaster isn't, doesn't have, like, super strength or durability mm-hmm. or any, you know, I mean, it's just that photographic memory or whatever they call it in this case, it's right a little different. But well, I think it'd be interesting, too, like, if they, if they keep Taskmaster on the board and bring her back in another movie how would they use her? Like, I don't know if they'd use her as the villain because you're supposed to sympathize for her. And it'd be, well, it'd be interesting true. to see how they build her up. And like, now that she's finally able to like think for herself, how are they going to build the the character that's under the armor? Like it, like you said, if they if that character in the comics is quippy, are they going to give her that type of personality as she comes back to life? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, it, it, for, that's why I think it lines up better is appearing with Deadpool. Um, is because of where they align the character because usually like Taskmaster's villainy for Deadpool is really just as a rival mercenary. Right. You know, hunting down the same contract, things like that. So I think that would play well for the way they set the character up here to be a hired killer for good. You know, similar to Deadpool where like she doesn't kill the wrong people or, you know, whatever. Okay, I, I could, could see be, that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, that's the only thing I have in mind at this time. There could be other reasons she turns up. Yeah. Um, I I will say, too, like, part of the, part of the fun for me, so what, I may have mentioned it on the show before, but one of my guilty pleasures is to watch, like, reaction videos on YouTube. That's I get a kick out of that kind of shit. So the fact that this movie was on Disney+, Plus and you could watch it the same day, reaction videos were hitting YouTube, and you could watch people, you know, get their cut-down version of the movie and see certain aspects... So one of the videos I had watched was uh, a group watching the film, and they, I don't know if someone made the comment, but like when Taskmaster rolls up and is in the armor and is like stalking Natasha at certain scenes, they started making the comparison to Terminator and like mumbling the theme song. And then as their editor did in the video, actually put the Terminator theme song over top of like Taskmaster walking into a room and stalking around. I was like, that works really fucking good. Surprisingly, you just (laughs) see her walking around and hear da 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 And I'm like, this is great. I I fucking love this. But I thought that was fun. Was it like evident to either of you that it was a female in the costume before the reveal? 
not I could tell not, from the not figure. until about five seconds before it happened. I had the thought like, wait a second. So I don't know. I had no reason to. Something occurred to me like, what if? But up until that point, absolutely not. I think it was somewhere mid in the movie. I think when they really kept referring to the Dragov's daughter, like they kept bringing that up a couple times where I started to think, well, why are they mentioning this numerous times if it's not going to pay off later? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't in like the fighting style or how the, the character walked or anything like that. I couldn't tell from that. Like nothing, nothing gave it away for me. It was just more just story elements that they kept peppering in there. Like what would make, it would make sense if this was the twist, I guess. Oh, okay. Um, but because, you know, at the same time, like Josh, what you said, like you could take the mask off and it could be anybody, but you almost don't want it to be anyone. You want it to be something, at least a character that fits Ca character, the story. Yes, I was thinking more of the casting, but okay, yes, yeah. the, 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 the character having an impact and, and making that use, it, it'd be a, it, it's a good opportunity to leverage. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Way, yeah. If it's just a throwaway Merc and it's just Tony Masters under there and you're just like, mm -hmm. oh, Okay. Yeah, you're not going to know who this character sense. is. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah, like, like okay, great. Who's here? this guy? Now what? Like, so, yeah. so this worked out. I liked. I liked what they did here. Yeah. Like, I, I think of, for myself yeah. with that, I remember like very early on in the movie, like the first time we see Taskmaster. I just remember having the thought like, Taskmaster looks kind of feminine. Like the shade. <laughs> like I just remember having that thought. I don't like. I didn't like piece together the story elements of it until the end. Yeah. But I remember having an early thought like, huh. It, you know, I mean, just like the the frame, the figure, whatever, it just looked kind of feminine. I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. But didn't really go anywhere with it. Um, so let's try to sort of quickly go through the cast here. Uh, what do you guys think is Scarlet coming back as Natasha? Yay, nay, good, do, good job, bad job. Loved it. Yeah. Just as good as she's always been. Yeah, mm -hmm. she she's owned this character for a while, so I think it's it's great to see her you know, front and center for this movie. I think it, it worked. I, I was cool with it. All good. I, 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 I'm, this is going to sound like a tangent, but it's to specifically comment on, on her. Um, you really have to, and this is the first time we've had to do this, maybe this entire journey, what, 24, 25 movies. Um, you, this is the first time you absolutely have to be okay with not watching a superhero movie. What do you mean by that? She's not a superpowered person. No, but, but uh, hardly anybody other than maybe yes, Taskmaster in some ways and Red Guardian have abilities. But even the widows that he has trained, yeah. like they are not. So she had to carry an action movie. Oh not, yeah, not yeah. a superhero movie. Yeah, she had to carry yeah. a drama. She had to carry a character movie, and. That was done exceedingly well. Yeah, I agree. Um, Florence Pugh's Yelena. What do you think about her? Um, probably the best part of the movie. Uh, in my personal opinion, I am looking forward a lot to seeing the character again, which, you know, the post credit scene tells us, of course, we're going to. We can get into that when we get into that. Yeah. But we're going to be seeing Yelena more, and that's a very good thing. Um. I was not really familiar with uh, the actress before this. I, I maybe had seen her in one horror movie, if I'm like, it, um, wait, was she the Mids one Midsummer? Yeah, she was in Midsummer. That's what it was. 
and she was good there and she killed it is the only in here dude she was enjoyable she was funny mm-hmm. you know what i mean she did everything right so the first thing that i actually saw her in was uh, a couple of months before maybe even a year i forget when it was released but i saw her in little women um sarah had really wanted to see it so we went and she was surprisingly like very good in it um she has a lot more range than i would have thought um and then sometime during covid lock-in we watched uh fighting with my family the one where she plays Paige, based on the the story of the oh is that her woman woman really who goes into wrestling yeah it's like a biopic pick about Paige. Like I know the movie, um, I just don't. I didn't connect the dots that that's Florence Pugh is the lead yep. in that movie. Yeah, I, yep. I never watched the movie, but you see that like it's always pops up and tells me I should watch it. <laughs> and on the cover, it it doesn't look anything like her. That's surprising. Mm-hmm. So that that was my previous exposure. Um, and I think I think she did very well. It, it's it's hard to both stand out and make sure that you're not trying to make it apparent. And I don't think she did, but. Make sure that you're not even giving the impression that you're trying to upstage Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Like, Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson, is still the focal point of the movie. It's her movie. Yes. Yeah. So you have to both be memorable. And like Mike said, like, it was a standout. And that's what you're taking away. Obviously, we know uh, uh, Natasha's character is, is dead and gone. So you have to want people to want you to continue. Yeah. And it sounds like that uh, that that impression was left. Yeah, I agree. I think she stole the show for me. Like she she's the one I I latched onto pretty quickly. She's the one I feel like I was thinking about and and talking about after the movie. So I am anxious to see where they go with her character in the MCU because I definitely want to see more of her for sure. She had some of the best jokes in the movie too. I think <laughs> that were given to her. Yeah, I think I, mean, I laughed a solid and... fifteen minutes about the posing thing. Like that was great. Yeah. That, I, I want to see the outtakes alone. of all like the different ways that she did that. Like yeah. all the different I'm sure she tried to like ad lib a few of the responses or things like that. I, I want to see those outtakes. Um Rachel Vice's Melina. Hmm. Kind of forgettable. Yeah, she didn't it, have like, too much to do, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean no. that's my, my worry about it, is is Rachel Vice didn't do badly. But yeah, maybe the character needed a bit more. I feel like I said the same thing when we like talking to Amy about it. The same way, just like she's such a damn good actress, they could mm-hmm. have used her f- for more here. And I feel like they gave her a, a decent amount to do. You know what I mean? But she still didn't have as much to do or as much of a chance to show that off. You know what I mean? Like yeah to make use of her talent. Yeah. I feel like Harbor gets a, a couple moments or a scene or two extra opportunity to leave you with an impression that she didn't get to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she also has, I, I think the, the least amount of screen time out of all these other people too. Right. That's true. Cause they pick him up out of prison. You have that long extended sequence and then right. you, you, you don't, you basically meet her last after the opening, like right before the third act, she comes into the movie. That's true. Well, yeah, yeah. It, like, and she's not gonna like take part in any fights that happen because she's just a scientist that was, you know what I mean? Like, she's yeah, she's not him. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, there's. So yeah, sorry, I didn't want to 
go forever off on that because I could have. But, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think I agree. She she did well with what she was given. Would have liked to see a little bit more. Uh, David Harbour's the Lexi. Um, again, damn near the best thing. If it wasn't for Yelena, <laughs> I, I feel like he he had fun here. You can tell yeah. David oh, Harbour yeah. absolutely loved doing this, and he made it fun. Like he had so much fun with the character that it worked. Um, the thing with him in prison and the uh, arm wrestling mm-hmm. was fucking hilarious. My wrist still hurts. Um, <laughs> Just watching what he did to people. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. And I, I feel like him being, you know, this guy that's like bragging about fighting Captain America and everybody being like he was in ice on that at that time and not believing yeah. him. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we're he's gonna get redemption on that at some point. I don't know how yet, but I feel like he's gonna get redemption. Is to he wasn't lying about it, you know what I mean? But there was something that happened where he fought Captain America. But I don't know. I I, I enjoyed the hell out of the character, and uh, I hope we see more. So here's, at some point, it's a thought that just occurred to me. Uh, when was Isaiah? A super soldier. I feel like that I was more, that was 50s. like the same time as Cap, roughly. Yeah, I like thought. Okay, During was he used in the eighties? Because I'm just thinking, of, like the the dates he was dropping is fighting a Captain mm. America in the eighties. Could it be a character we've seen or heard from before? I had that thought and the thought of, you know, Cap himself, after going back to spend his time with Peggy, would be. <laughs> you know, 50s yeah. or so in the 80s. Now, see, oh, I think that age. takes away from that whole storyline, though, if he's actually doing stuff there. Like, the whole point is that he's not Cap. He's just a dude. Uh, I'm I just could say- maybe. I could maybe bend it. I, I, I actually was under the impression that that took place literally in a separate timeline. Right. I was I mean, I got what, that too. Like, I mean that like that number one, but even if even if I could get them together, well, I mean, Cap like, didn't really have access to the other timelines. Well, the like the the right, but the timeline where he lived his life as a normal person would not have intersected with the one that Alexi exists in. This is this is the whole end game time travel thing we tried to unlav- unravel whenever we talked about the movie. Right. Which I don't it, want to it, dive just, into now because just, we're going to no, just no, no. twenty minutes on this thing, thing where he splits off to, to to live a life. But anyway, maybe it is a point where you can get around to say he didn't, like he wasn't in action as Cap. Maybe he, through the just circumstances of his life, found himself in a spot in time where somehow they would have crossed paths for a very short period, and you know an altercation did occur. See, I think it works so much better maybe buy that. for the character if he's just full of shit. Like, I totally get that. I'm fine <laughs> with that. I think that's more fun that way, that he just wants the story so bad, he's just making it up. He's See, been I, in prison for so long that he's yeah. t- told a lie to himself so many times. Right. Well, that, that was the thing, like, for me, where he's just telling it in prison, I'm like, okay, sure. But then he asks Natasha if Cap mentioned him. I, I feel like it's just like maybe they've if heard about each other in passing. Like everybody knows about Captain America and Cap's got to know that the Soviets have a comparable super soldier. But it's just not right. even on his radar like he gives a shit at all. <laughs> See, I feel like that was like 
put in there to be like some kind of confirmation that it did actually happen. That there was something that actually happened. You know what I mean? Like that'll be the one shot we get on the Black Widow Blu-ray. Yeah, I hope so. That I would bring be cool. this back. <laughs> Um, um, I, I did like that within Alexi's character, there was somebody like he, it obviously is like so long struggled with how his specific leadership treated him and the, 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 the life that they gave him and the life that they, they took from him, all of that. But at times both he and Melina even make comments to basically still like criticize the West. So there's still like that semblance of. I have my ideals and I, I I I don't regret what I was trying to achieve and and what I was trying to serve even if the people in charge of overseeing and executing those ideals effed it up. Okay, yeah, yeah. And like he like he's angry at those people but like he still seems to like be a patriot to his roots. Yeah. You know, all that still came through in, in somebody who had those abilities but were, you know, but was shut away for 20, 30 years. It's, it, he conveyed a lot through the time. And, and not to say he didn't have much screen time, but probably if you looked at it, he probably didn't have as much as we think he did. And especially for, like, exposition moments like that to just, like, share feelings. Yeah. Um, so I feel like he did a lot with not very much. Yeah, I think I he was another character that I I loved seeing him on screen, and I I think he aside from like Elena, I think had some of the best jokes and oh for comedic sure. moments in the movie for sure. <laughs> um, you know, and he did a great job. The only complaint I have is that the accent I think comes and goes at certain points, but I feel oh, like I that this, happens to everybody trying yeah, to do Russian yes. in any of these MCU movies. So yeah, you can't really hammer that one home. Uh, last I did, cast I did member, like... go ahead. I, I was just gonna say I did like they used him to make like the throw back or throw out the name of the Crimson Dynamo. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, just to get it out there. I think you know, like it's it's like ah, oh, maybe they will use something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last cast member we'll talk about is uh, Ray Winston's or Winstone. I don't know how you say his last name. Uh, Drakovs. The character in and of itself, I wouldn't say he did anything bad i think i was more impressed and i said this to sarah afterward that these writers took such a throwaway comment that was written into the avengers script as an example of loki to just try to throw back at natasha of her past and constructed an entire narrative around that something that meant nothing went nowhere ever and found a way to make something that was so meaningful to her past and her path that they created this boogeyman out of that one detail. I thought that was a made, like that was a great accomplishment of the story creators and the writers. Yeah. I had the same note that like that call back to that, like you said, that line from Avengers that for whatever reason still kind of sticks with me, just the way that's delivered in that whole scene. But yes. never thought we'd see anything of it. So to come back to that, you know, what is it? Avengers was what twenty twelve. So we're well, almost ten years later, and we're finally yeah. coming back to that little breadcrumb. Like that's fun to me. I like that kind of shit. And and I think it was, 
like this this many years removed there's there's something about the phase one movies specifically and maybe avengers in particular that if the creators and the people running marvel studios have their finger on the pulse of fan discussion enough you didn't have to tell me anything about Drakov's daughter. You did not have to explain to, and they didn't. Like, they did not give you any flashback to that moment in Avengers where she's reminded of it whatsoever. Like, they expect you to know what it was. Yeah. And go forward. And I think, like, based on what you just said, like, that is one of those things that so many years later, fans just picked up on these things. There's details of these trivial lines and, and mentions and moments that have just permeated this fandom and stuck with us yeah um that it like you again you didn't need the backstory um to remember that it was a thing that already was mentioned well again it's stuff that like comics have done for years and suddenly we have this coming through on a medium that is visual in movies and to me that's exciting i love that kind of shit um so spinning from the the cast i want to spin like josh you mentioned sort of the writing so i'm going to go over mm -hmm. the writers real quick and we'll talk about what we think of the story uh Eric Pearson is listed as having the screenplay. Uh, he is credited for doing a lot of the Marvel one-shots. He wrote for Agent Carter. He wrote uh, Thor Ragnarok and Godzilla vs. Kong. So he's got a little bit of experience with the MCU and some other big-budget movies. Uh, Story by is credited with two people. Ned Benson, who the only thing really under their IMDb was the disappearance of Eleanor Rigby, which I don't really know what that is. I've never seen that. It was a trilogy actually and it was all released i never i never watched it but um i think eleanor rigby was the reference if i remember was about like literally like the disappearance of um this this person and it was a tr uh, a trilogy of british movies that all came out within like a few months of each other okay um there, there's they have the three-parter um it looks like he might have both written and directed Okay, maybe at, I missed that part. At least one of them, if not all of them. Um, the other person listed by listed as having the story by is Jack Schaefer. Uh, she had done the screenplay for The Hustle, and she was actually the showrunner and head writer for WandaVision. Hmm. So, yeah, we got a little bit of some MCU staples getting a crack at Black Widow, which is good to see. Um, I And, you know, like Josh was kind of saying, I considering they used this one little breadcrumb from Avengers, crafted a whole story out of it, Callbacks to the Red Room, which is something I felt like needed addressed, considering how much we hear about it in the MCU and her past and what they came, where she came from. Uh, I I loved this story. I thought they did a really good job connecting some of those dots. I think it fits very nicely where it's supposed to, in between Civil War and uh, Infinity War. Um, and you know it almost changes the way you're gonna watch some of these movies. Like I think in. It's a comment maybe I'll save until we get past the story part, and I'll sort of try to revisit it. But, you know, if you watch them sort of chron chronologically, this f story lends itself to maybe help you give a shit about Natasha more when she meets her fate in Endgame and stuff like that. I think I think it definitely gives you a little bit more weight to that decision and what's going on there that I can appreciate. I mean, I, I feel like, save for the end credits scene... You could plug this in with not a problem into what year would have that been? 2017, 2018? Yeah. Whatever year that would have been that it would have fallen in right after Civil War. Because um, th this is supposed to be almost like concurrent with Black Panther. Yeah. If mm -hmm. I understood that correctly, it's supposed to be like the same time. 
Um, like, I, there's no reason this movie could not have been made then. You know, like, it, it, this exact movie is what I mean. Like, it could just plug in. It doesn't reveal anything that you don't already know about at that point. Um, well, let's sort of just spitball mm. this because I sort of have another question framed around this too. Is I, I've seen a lot of the the discussion online and and people critiquing this movie because they feel like it's something that should have come out like three or four years ago. So basically, should have hit chronolo like release order, sort of mm-hmm. where it happens chronologically. So it should have been released right around Black Panther, so we could le- have this lead into Infinity War, and. Maybe it's just because, like, you know, we know Nat's ultimate fate. So it's harder, I think, for some people to latch on to that character in this movie, knowing she's going to die in a couple movies after this. So, I mean, how do you guys feel about that? Is this enough? Did did you feel any more or less invested in the story, knowing that Nat's Um, fate is ultimately she's going to die? Like, personally, I feel like knowing her story... You know, it it gives a couple moments, I guess, more weight, more significance. Um, but for the most part, I I can't say that I did. You know, what I mean, I can't say like it mattered that it happened now. Okay. Um, I you know, I'd say knowing that actually detaches you a little bit from the character, which is why it's so good that uh Yelena and Alexei are such strong characters to help lift that up and give yeah. you some new characters you don't know what's going to happen to already. Right. To follow, but in terms of Natasha's character and where things went, it worked. Um and you know, the movie kind of ends her story there on a little bit of like a happy lighter note. You know, as she's leaving the whatever you want to call that supplier guy. Right. Um, and that to me was kind of like a bittersweet moment. Cause it's like, yeah, but she's going to die. Yeah. Like I already know how this is going to end. So, yeah, but at least like the way that since, since you get her two part arc in both end game, I'm sorry, infinity war. And then end game, the fact that like, she's not stepping away to like immediately or soon go like walk into the um she she's not even walking into infinity war right like this this movie no they're going into hiding right this movie concludes 2 to 3 weeks maybe at the most after the events of civil war so they're on the run together after she finds steve which is my only gripe with how they left this off um, I think actually the, the timeline I think was less than four days after Civil War, so it's supposed to be like right, right after. Okay, and then as we're watching it, like I said, then I lost the thread of like how long this over what time span this is actually taking place. But a couple of days, at, you know, we'll say this takes place. So there's yeah, that point. Sure that. She eventually, I guess, tracks down Steve either before or after he has broken everyone else out of the raft. Um, so they're on the run for a year, a year and a half, two years together. And you know, they have that time and then the events of infinity war kick in. So I didn't really leave in like a morose, like, Oh, but you know what happens? Like, you know, she's not getting on that plane to go walk into the event that then leads to her death immediately. Right. 
So I, I don't. I it didn't have that impact on me. Yeah, I think I was I was fine with it. I, yeah, I don't think it distracted from me one way or the other. Um, because I, you know, this story is very good, and I think it's it works for her character and builds her character up. That I think I I can appreciate that part of it. And again, just you know, it not that she, I guess the character goes through it like feels different between Civil War and Infinity War as it is. It's not like you needed this to plug the gap to be like, oh, okay, so that's why she turns this way in Infinity War, and that's why she feels different than Civil War. I, th- I don't know. The character mm-hmm. still feels the same, I guess, either way, but it does come out of... You come out of this movie feeling a little bit more hopeful by the time you get to Infinity War, maybe seeing that character again. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I, I Yeah, I don't really know what the complaints are about online. I'm, I'm just trying to present the question. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's more of a complaint like, you know, they they could have given this character her own spotlight sooner yeah like, I could, I could yeah that. like if you're gonna add have like this whole basis of these big six if you will and having her and hawkeye be the only ones that don't get their own films uh they could have at least had a duo movie or this or something sooner than this yeah uh since they were part of that main group so speaking of Hawkeye, Mike, one thing that I I listened when I went back and listened to the episode where we talked about the trailer, uh, one of the points you made was that uh, ju- just from that first trailer, y- you said something along the lines of you were happy that Budapest isn't part of this movie. So that was funny. To it me, is, just but it back. isn't though too because it like it doesn't go into what they did as much. You know what I mean? Like, she goes back to Budapest, she sees where they were, but it doesn't really get into what they did, does it? I mean, I guess peripherally, yeah, I guess you get a little bit of the mission, but you don't see the mission. And Well, well fair, Budapest always... wasn't where she, like, it wasn't where she killed the daughter, is it? That was my under, and, and the, that, that was the way I interpreted what was going on, is that yes, that happened somewhere around there, and they went in hiding for ten days or whatever in Budapest. Right, right, right. That's what I mean. They they just went hiding there. They that's not. But it where seemed like it they happened. were on the run and being hunted, and they had to. Well, I guess she does okay. say they have to lay low. But I mean, the Budapest safe house has arrow marks in the wall, so her and Hawkeye had some shit going. Like they either fought there or defended themselves there. And okay. That, yes, that was a question that I'm glad that they really didn't even answer, honestly, um, because. Again, that's one of those moments that they they even call back to in Endgame that they remembered from Avengers that yeah. fans especially latched on to that Budapest line that's never mentioned from what I remember. It's never mentioned again between between the first Avengers and Endgame. Neither of them bring it up. It's not talked about. But it had persisted in in the fandom enough that they knew using that callback was going to be popular. I'm glad that we don't know what it was. We don't know, was, oh, were they just in a battle together? Was there some kind of spy mission? Is that where he was tracking her down and decided not to kill her? And that's why there's arrow holes in the wall. The, I, 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 I dig that. I like the mystery. I yeah. like kind of leaving it ambiguous. Um, and I'm glad you brought up Mike's comment about that because I didn't, I didn't know if I had said this during that discussion about the trailer or not. Or if it was just in person and in, in real life, you were but, not on that episode. 
Oh, okay. Then it was not. Yeah, there it was me, time. Mike, and Andy. Perfect. Then I might have just said it in real life at some point. Um, when they were making the Black Widow movie and they finally announced it and whatnot, I remember saying to somebody, "I hope this is not treated like Solo was," which was, "Here's all the lore and every." reference of the past that we've ever talked about with this character and guess what we're going to cram all those moments in to this one story that happens over an hour and a half to two hours and they all can like everything about the mythos conveniently happens in this one adventure right i didn't want this to be that so i didn't want to get budapest you know the infamous budapest event as any kind of flashback any kind of central moment to the to the story or framework i'm glad it was not that yeah i'm glad that they poked fun at the pronunciation of budapest too like because that's not that i think i realized it at the time but i feel like when they made the jab at it it's like oh you know what you guys do pronounce it differently at a couple different points (laughs) so that was a fun little callback for me too um so next up we'll just talk about direction quickly um director for the movie was kate shortland uh there's a couple things listed on her, um, on her IMDb, most of which I don't know. Uh, Somersault, Lore, Berlin Syndrome. I don't know what any of those movies are, so I can't really attest to like what else she's done. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you guys think of the direction for this movie? Very successful. I don't remember any specific moments where I thought, damn, that's really good directing, or damn, that's really <laughs> bad directing. Um, so I, I didn't really experience any of those moments where I thought it went one way or the other. Yeah. It's like a solid job, you know, like got the job done. Yeah. I I don't know if there's anything that really stuck out to me. That's like, okay, this is, this is what I picture. But I mean, considering it's a big budget action movie, I think the action sequences were really well done. And I actually enjoyed a lot of how they were positioned and, and set design and, and, you know, sequences and stuff like that. I think they all flowed well enough together. I didn't lose track of what was going on and why. Like, I, I can get behind that stuff. So I'd say I'd say good job. I liked it. Yeah, I mean, I if it was her idea to have an avalanche prison break, <laughs> I am... I don't know whose idea that was, if that falls yeah. into direction or what, but we'll, we'll give her credit for it and say, well done on the avalanche prison break. That's amazing. <laughs> so on, on that comment, have we... Did we already just move on from story, or or can we still chime in for that? Uh, if you want to go back to it, we'll try to go quickly. I know we want to try yeah. to wrap up so, somewhere. So the, the, the only two points that I would really call out as th- that, that might overlap with direction, I don't know if this falls into editing as well, but um, the biggest problem and really the only huge problem I had with this movie was the fact that uh, Drakoff's floating atmosphere layer had what been up there for 10 years, 15 years. Like I, I, that was stupid in my opinion and completely unbelievable for everything else that had been presented to us for 10 years. Yeah. Like even where this falls in the sequence of, uh, chronologic events, um, it didn't need to be that you didn't need to have something else crashing to earth there's no believable reason to say that it was like they didn't even try saying like oh it has some kind of you know masking technology yeah 
that was yeah. completely unnecessary. Um, I, I do wish from a story perspective that they would have utilized the widows more. Um, the opening adult sequence with uh, Yelena and everybody else. Um, I think like I even in the third act, I I thought other than like that one big like fight room sequence with Natasha and, and the rest of the group, I thought that like if you're pulling this group in and you're bringing back the lore of this guy's group and whatnot, I thought that the rest of the widows under his program would have continued to be more of a presence. Okay. And, and play in. Um, I mean, technically they're, they're still on the board too. So I wouldn't be surprised if they show up or they do something with some of, at least some of them later in a perhaps. future movie yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah. I, I just, I just thought like they're all around. Why are they not being a part of the, action or tactics or, or things more but right that was about it everything else I, I thought was really good the, the 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 fight sequence the fight with um natasha and yelena when they first meet i i actually wish it had gone longer yeah it was really well done and looked like either like them or their stunt performers were like really going at it like it, it was very john wickian it was you know the atomic blonde and it, it was just visceral you know brutal yeah there's i mean there's a lot of action sequences i think stick with me like i think the the car chase is awesome i think the initial fight between tasha and taskmaster on the bridge is really cool mm-hmm. like seeing yep. the taskmaster i, I keep saying tech taskmaster it's taskmaster <laughs> um utilize other you like you can see the other Avengers fighting style when they're fighting on the bridge you start seeing like captain america and uh mm-hmm. there's a quick swinging bit that's like okay that must be like a spider-man move um that's just fun to see all that kind of shit uh and the um the the whole third act action sequences i think is pretty cool even you know you see it in a trailer but like all this debris falling from the sky that could have been really stupid and i i don't feel like it came across that way to me in the third act that all that stuff was just way over the top and stupid i was like all right let's go i'm in it let's fucking go um yeah, I don't know if there's... I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I, I really did like all the action sequences a lot. I, I felt for... like I liked most of them, but the one that I wanted to be better that felt like it fell short was Red Guardian and Taskmaster. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I could, I could I, see I, that. I All the rest I thought were really good, but that one felt very choppy to me. Yeah, he like, just kind of gets his ass kicked the whole time and doesn't really do anything. Well, that and it's like the editing, you know what I mean? Like it's uh, okay, yeah. It, like it, the camera, the editing, the choreography just seemed a little bit off on that one to me. Yeah. Um, I also liked that in the one sequence they eliminate him from the fight. Uh, when they're all in the safe house and it's gonna be stormed, and oh, he, and gets he gets shot tranked. up with like the yeah all the tranquilizers. Yeah. I like that they eliminate him from what's about to happen because he kind of throws a trump card on it, being the only super-powered individual in the fight, where it's like, well, he can solve this. Oh, yeah. never mind, he's out. <laughs> um, I, I I like that. And it, put the fo- and it took the focus away from him, and it put it on them to solve it. Yeah. Which, I like that. I like how they handled that. Um, so before we get to a rating, last thing we want to touch on that we haven't yet is the uh, post-credits scene. Um, so sort of one sort of just like general, what did you think of this? And then two, one point I want to make is that 
I'm trying to figure out what's going on here with Valentina and her recruiting. Like, as we know from Falcon and Winter Soldier, she has John Walker's U.S. agent and now Yelena. Now, we've spitballed with Falcon and Winter Soldier that maybe it's like a Dark Avengers team or Thunderbolts or some sort of, like, anti-Avengers kind of team. And that kind of tracks, given Valentina's questionable loyalties that we sort of talked about back then, too, and that she is you know, specifically in this scene, seems to be sending Yelena after Hawkeye. But at the same time, I think Falcon and Winter Soldier tries to put John Walker on a redemptive path by the end, and I feel like in this movie we're supposed to be rooting for Yelena also. So would they really put these people as part of an anti-Avengers squad if we're supposed to be rooting for them? Hmm. Um, I, I could see what you're getting at. I, I think... What stands out to me in this instance for how they're going to play this, at least at the start, Hawkeye didn't look normal in that picture to me. The the picture of that? Hawkeye that she shows him, he looked off. He looked like, like a, Ronin. Like, he looked like he was in his Ronin attire. Like, straight-up assassin type of Hawkeye. Like, endgame, I'm killing people with a sword. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? He, he looked, his eyes looked weird. Like, they looked, I don't oh, know, it looked different to know. me. And um, I, I have just one working theory in my brain on it, and maybe she's having her hunt down a scroll version of Hawkeye. <laughs> Is this going to be the Mephisto of, like, the MCU now? Every time someone's <laughs> like, oh, it's going to be a scroll. It's, it's secret Mephisto. invasion. It's happening. This is the start. Um. It, no, I, I like. I, I could see that being possible. I I think the Thunderbolts is very likely. Um, as it same goes for Dark Avengers. I I think that's what it's leading towards. I mean, she's I definitely starting to recruit people goes. like Fury used to do at the beginning of Phase One and stuff like that. Like she's just popping up with a character and saying, "You're going to join my team." And, and right. she's yeah. I think she's gonna they're gonna try to position her as. A, a foil to him as, as another string puller because she's obviously using fuzzy logic and and specious information that she's sharing to Yelena like oh this is the person responsible for the death uh, it's a little more complicated than just that right there's there's a there's a backstory you need to be aware of before I also think you it's funny assume. it's I also think it's funny that like any type of person that may or may not get the mantle of Black Widow their rite of passage to possibly get in the Avengers is to go through Hawkeye like Natasha <laughs> yeah. would have had to do it, and now Yelena's got to go through Hawkeye to you know come out the other side as possibly like a good guy for our team. So well, I just think that's, that's kind of funny. Yeah, maybe that's exactly why they're positioning her that way. I mean, we know there's parallel. a Hawkeye show coming, right? So you start to think: Is she going to be the antagonist in the Hawkeye show? Is he going to be being hunted by her in the show? Uh, I, I don't know if we want to do spoilers or not, but she is absolutely credited okay well that i mean that, that makes sense given the the yeah. context of what the end credit scene is yeah like what her capacity will be obviously we'll have to wait until it gets released hopefully i guess later this year but uh yeah like she's apparently like very very present in it yeah um josh do you see them building like an anti-avengers team or you think this is just going to be another team for something else do you think they're actually going to put them toe-to-toe against avengers or something That's interesting. else i I almost like I almost hope that they don't because I I like the idea of somebody manipulating individuals 
for some specific reason. Mm. You know, so she has John Walker and she's trying to use him. He's a tool. Yes. I, I, I'm going to use you as a means to an end for this thing I want to achieve. Same thing with Yelena. I don't know if the idea is like to take down S.H.I.E.L.D., to take down the Avengers, to do a thing. I think it's more, here, I'm putting tools in my tool belt, and you are things I can call upon and use in my scheme because I want to achieve thing X this right. time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely curious to see. I, I again, I can't. I'm just spitballing because I don't know which way it's gonna go. Like it's de- I I don't still like Mike said. I don't know really what like what team they're doing yet because I think there's a couple different versions where they could go or what they could refer to them as. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's if if Valentina ends up being on the side of like a shady bad guy, I want to know kind of like what this team is being built to do. If it's not to go against the Avengers, like. They're being built for a reason, so what are the skill set that's needed and what's going to go on here? Um, I don't see this being, like, the big bad of whatever the hell's coming in the next couple phases. I think I think mm. other things that are happening in the MCU are pointing to bigger shit that's going on. So this is definitely more local type of stuff. Uh, I think she is going to be part of a big bad at some point. Uh, I don't think... It's this phase. I think they're kind of revealing a little bit in other things about the big bad that is there to worry about. I'm not going right. to get into spoilers right. for other things at this time, but they're getting into that elsewhere. But I think she's going to be around for multiple phases, just like Fury was. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's going to be a long time before we see what she's really doing. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm talking yeah. like five to ten years before you have any clue what the hell she's really up to. Well, think of this, too, and, and so we're recording this on the day that the final episode of Loki is released on Disney+, Plus, um, which got me to realize there there's going to be a lot more to juggle now. You know, uh, I'll make a broader point when we probably end up you know doing a Loki discussion, serious discussion, but you might not need her to be a cinematic presence. You're going to need multiple things probably to be through lines and connective tissue among these shows as well. Yeah. So that, that could be the niche that somebody like her character has, you know, she's, she's now, so she has, think about it. She's, this movie should have been released first. This should have been the very first thing seen about Phase 4. So that yeah. scene was already written and shot probably before Falcon and Winter Soldier. So that this should have been the first time we ever saw her. And then she pops up, you know, should, should have been the second time she pops up at the end of Falcon and, and Winter Soldier. And so you don't necessarily... It could go that way, but not everything you know, needs to maybe go to the scale of cinematic chapter threat. Yeah. You know, she could be the puppet master working through several of these uh, uh, Disney Plus shows. Well, how did you guys interpret their conversation? Is is Yelena already recruited, or is she there to recruit Yelena? I'm, I read it as she is already part of this team, whatever she has going on. Mm. I did, too. Yeah, I guess it could go either way. I... I, I, I because one, myself... she either she either recognizes who Valentina yeah. is, 
just from, you know, being part of the spy world or whatever. Or she's already working for her and she's like, just leave me the fuck alone. I'm, I'm, she tells her, like, I'm on holiday. I'm not working now. Why are you here? Yeah, that that's probably a better argument. I, I think I wanted to take it as they've, for whatever reason, they're already familiar with each other, but perhaps she's been pestering her to cooperate, work right, together, right. etc., trying to recruit her, whatever you want to call it. And Yelena has resisted it from time right. to time, but now, like, oh, now I, I found something that's really going to strike a personal chord with you, and you're going to, now you're going to listen. Yeah. I don't know. It could go either way. You guys are probably right, though. Um, And I think the one comment sort of Mike touched on earlier that I want to loop back around to for, and this is, I, maybe it's just personal preference, but we'll see what you guys think. So, again, chronologically, the majority of this movie takes place between Civil War and Infinity War. If you watch the end credits scene at that time, it spoils Nat's ultimate fate. So, theoretically, for someone new to the MCU, how do you have them watch this movie? Do you put that in timeline order where it's supposed to and just say, hey, ignore the end credits and come back to it three movies after? Or, like, because I imagine this is going to fuck people up. Like, people are not going to know not to watch the end credits, and by this point, they are trained to watch the end credits. So if they watch this chronologically, it's this end credit scene is going to fuck people up. If they're trained, if they're if if they're trained to watch end credits on these movies, but they haven't seen all of them yet, and they happen to be doing so by watching them all in chronologic order of timeline, I think the 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 Venn diagram on that is pretty slim. I mean, Josh, you were the one to point out to us that on Disney Plus they put this in timeline yeah. order right after Civil War on, and on, before on, Black Panther. On, that is correct. On one of the options, that's how they they organize it. So if a brand new, you know, if a newbie is going to decide to do that, I mean, but it and I'm not talking back. about people like watching yeah. it today, right now, this opening weekend. I'm thinking like next year, someone wants to sure. catch up on these movies they haven't seen before, and they're right. just on Disney Plus going through the list. Like you're right, I think it is going to be a minority of people, but I still think it's going to happen, and I. F- I, I, I don't know why, but I feel for those people. Like, how do you warn these yeah. people not to do this? Yeah, I know. I'd have, I'd have to really, like, write something down and think about it. Because I feel like other chapters have done this as well. They've created conflicts. Oh, yeah. Particularly I definitely with, think... with, their, with their credit stingers. And there's a, there's a specific order that I tell people when they ask me to watch movies in. Specifically to align the end credit scene with the next movie. So you're not skipping around with some of the connective tissue there. So you don't like the, the, the chronological order then? No, I don't. Because so, I think... So like You, there, you don't there's go certain Captain in, America well, than could, Captain Marvel. You don't... You, you couldn't do Captain Marvel that way. Yeah, because the end credits on Captain Marvel, you're like, what the hell like if those are the first two and only you watched you're like what who and who number one who are most of these people in in the stinger of captain marvel and what are they talking about exactly and that's when that huge stinger comes back like 20 movies later and they're like bam here it is i'm i'm kidding of course that's like that would be amazing (laughs) like had they actually done that in the first place that would have been amazing but yeah, it's yeah. like, I don't know, the, the way they release these, it works for people that are up to date on this stuff. It's the people that I find coming to this stuff later. You really got to dance around what they can and can't see based in some of these movies, and that's where it gets tricky. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I, I think the most enjoyable way 
to watch it honestly is just release order. I, I mean, think, at this I point, think, it's getting less yeah. complicated that way, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I you absolutely could choose to do a couple different ways if you really wanted to, but you don't need to. No. I, I don't see any reason there, to watch these in anything but just release order. Yeah, there's nothing diminishing about doing it that way. Okay, fair. Uh, all right, so we'll end with uh, rating out of 10. What do you think you would give Black Widow? I'm going with a 7.5. Can, can um, you elaborate a little bit or no? Um, th- this is just through my MCU lens, and I think it's a, I think it's very solid. I like the opportunity that Scarlet was finally given after being the 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 face of the female representation yeah. for ten years. Um, and, and how her story concluded and, and getting this opportunity. Um, there were a couple things that we've talked about that I, I think were like, why the hell did you do that? But whatever. Every every scene of her character, the character of Natasha, every, every scene that was a character scene was won by both her and everybody. Yeah. Um, but when I think of the other things in the MCU that I would rate an 8, a 9, a 10. You know, it, the, this isn't... For me, you know, this is not going to be Guardians of the Galaxy or Avengers or Infinity War. Right. You know, so or, or Winter Soldier. So I can't get above that. But there's also several that I would give far less than a 7.5. Fair enough. Uh, Mike? Um, I come down around 8. And, and I think it's... You know, it's a very solid movie, um, but I don't feel like it's great. Okay. I, I don't feel like it has that, kind of what Josh said, that hook of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy or, you know, the entertainment of Ragnarok or, like, it doesn't hit the Winter Soldier levels. Like, it, it, yeah. it's, but at the same time, I feel like it's in that next tier down from there, you know, like, it's in that middling group of MCU movies where they're good but they're not they're not going to knock your socks off. It's not going to change how you view a superhero movie or it's not going to change much of anything. I think, you know, maybe had this come out before Winter Soldier and it was like the first kind of spy type action movie thing, it might have been a little different, but Yeah. You know, an 8 is a solid score. I think that's what it deserves, but again, it's just it's very good, and I can't say a whole lot wrong with it, but there's also nothing that blew me away that makes me want to watch it over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I fall pretty much in line with these guys. I, I After one viewing, and I usually try to fit, you know, fit in two before I really start to nail down a review or a rating or something like that, but after one viewing, I think I'm leaning towards an eight as well. Um, I think it is really, really solid. I think they do a really good job with the character and... Again, just as like an action movie. I think it's a really great action movie. Um, I actually do want to see it again. I just don't know when I'm going to get around to actually seeing it again. Uh, and I don't know if I... how You know, it might be in the theater longer than most, so I might end up getting back around to the theater, but I don't know if I will have to wait until, you know, three months from now when it's finally on Disney Plus for anyone to watch before I watch it again. But I will definitely watch it again when that happens. Um, but yeah, I think I think they did a lot of stuff right. Uh, 
one thing I didn't mention, pacing for me, I think, in the first act was a little bit slow. I think it, the movie took a little bit to get going for me. But by the second act, I think I'm, I'm on board for the whole rest of the movie, and it was really good. Uh, so that's where I'm falling. I'm going to fall with an 8. Yeah. Uh, so that's it for Black Widow. Uh, I was trying to think, like, what we might do next. I'm not really quite sure. Uh, like Josh mentioned, Loki finale is today. So I think we're, we all watched it. We're all kind of itching to talk about it. Uh, but if we do that again next week, that's another, that's like the third episode of a row that you have with just the three of us because no one else watches the show. So we'll see <laughs> if we decide, you know, if, if we want to change it up a little bit and get some other guys in here or just, you know, leave it with this crew. We'll see how we go next week. So... You may or may not have this to look forward to next week, but we will eventually, yes, talk about Loki for sure because we have to now. It's done, and <laughs> there's stuff worth talking about in there. Uh, but that's it for us. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, please support us. Leave a five-star rating and review. Be sure to give us a share on social media. You can follow or subscribe to the show. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, Stitcher. Uh, hopefully, anywhere you're listening, you can find us there. Uh, check us out on Facebook, search Guy and the Super Friends. Go to facebook.com slash Friends. You can send us questions, comments, topics, suggestions, any of that stuff there. Uh, try to email us, Friends at gmail.com. Uh, I haven't checked it, probably won't, but you can try me. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at BG Super Friends. Uh, feel free to give me a follow on Twitch at Jedi Bryguy. That's uh, Jedi with an I, Bry with a Y. Anytime we decide to go live, which we've done it twice, we'll, I, I keep talking about it. We'll find a reason to do it sometime. Uh, uh, we will broadcast live there. I'll make sure I promote that so everybody knows it's coming. Um, other than that, uh, on behalf of Josh, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.